morning. Thank you for having me. I must say this is this is uh, quite amazing to to just see the gathered church after two months of uh, for myself at least not having been with a gathered church of believers in Christ, and so it truly is a blessing to be among you um, this morning. In fact. Uh, I uh, did like many people and sort of had a quarantine scruff going on and uh, even played with my kids a little bit and uh, left a mustache looking like Wyatt Earp and my one and a half year old looked at me and said, uh-oh, and, uh, but I spared you that and shaved for the first time. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited about this passage today that I want to invite you to, to turn to and, and it's for a couple of reasons, but um, the psalm is Psalm 112. So I know that you guys have been uh, going through Acts, but I want to turn your attention to Psalm 112. Uh, briefly, these, two, these ten verses, uh, I've really been, my heart's been drawn to them. Um, not because I have mastered them or uh, am the picture of this uh, that is described here, but uh, to be honest with you, uh, because if I... If I was frank, it's probably because I'm, I, I don't see myself as, as completely living this out, uh, mostly because of fear and worry and things like that that, that come upon us uh, at different times in life. And so this psalm uh, really drew my heart to it um, because it, it, it really exposed some areas that, that uh, in my life I continually seek the Lord in, and that is trusting Him uh, and not being afraid and being willing to um, walk with Him uh, in the, uh, the unknowns of life. And so I, I really am excited to share this with you because uh, the Lord has, has, has put this on my heart. And uh, the psalm, it's, it's a wisdom psalm. And, and the book of, of Psalms, or the Psalms are a book of, of wisdom uh, songs and prayers. And in that, there are some that are called wisdom psalms, or, or people have identified them as wisdom psalms. Because they highlight themes or, or the structure of them, they highlight themes that have been uh, prominent in books such as Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job and Song of Solomon. Um, and, and in those books, there's often a contrast between two roads or two ways of life, that of uh, life and that of death. So you can picture like two roads, that of life and that of death, that of wisdom and that of folly, uh, that of righteousness and that of wickedness. And... Um, as you look at these psalms or the, the wisdom literature, it really, it really helps you kind of reflect on how you're living and why you're living. So we're going to do just that, um, and we're going to see, we're going to learn that the righteous, the, the psalm talks about the righteous, the righteous are blessed by God, and they're a blessing to others. They're blessed by God, and they're a blessing to others. So uh, let, me, let me read, uh, if you, you'll stand with me, and I'll, I'll read Psalm 112, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news, 
His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. You may be seated. So we're going to see a a picture of the righteous and the blessing that God brings to them and the blessing that God brings through them. So let, let me pray and we'll begin. Father, thank you for the opportunity to bring uh, your word to the gathered church. Uh, God, I pray specifically for uh, the people here uh, that, like myself, need to be reminded that the life of the righteous, the road of the righteous, is truly worth it. No matter what our life looks like, no matter what doubts we have, no matter what circumstances that are presented to us, the life of the righteous is not one that is free of adversity, but it is one that is undergirded with the relationship with the living God. And you've promised to be with us. You've promised to have compassion on us through Jesus Christ. And I pray that our, our, that reminder to us um, would move in us a desire to trust you through each and every day for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to look at Psalm 112. We're going to start in verse 1. It begins with a call to praise. Praise the Lord. This word, hallelujah, this great, great word, hallelujah. A lot of psalms start with this. It's this call to praise, and then it begins with the words, blessed. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. So this is similar to a lot of wisdom writings that began with, um, like I mentioned, this contrast, these two ways, uh, and it mentions this person, this man or this, this one, which is a woman or man, this person is a someone to imitate. This, uh, this person is one who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And so we see first off that wisdom is found when, it's, when one's life is rooted in the fear of the Lord. This person's trust is in God, in His sovereign ways. Not in His complete understanding of all that God does, but His trust is rooted in God. This is one who, uh, his, his, his adoration and His awe and His reverence is there before the Lord because that's the foundation of wisdom. Fear um, of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs tells us. Fearing the Lord, therefore, points to delighting in what God delights in. And so we see that it says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. So we see that delight in different passages. Psalm 1 talks about that. One who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Um, the end of Ecclesiastes mentions this, that the, the conclusion of the matter is to fear God and keep His commandments. Psalm 119 is, is about this uh, foundation of the righteous who walk according to His word. Essentially, fearing God means that we know God. And if we know God, we want to delight in what He delights in. 
And that means we want to keep his word. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John said this. By this you will know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And so uh, I know that the, the last two months have been a little strange and our rhythms have been off a little bit at a time where we could get into God's word more. And I want, if not, I want to encourage you in these times or slow times or weird times that we get back into God's word because we need the continual reminder of his truth to replace the fears uh, that, that, that are rampant in our lives. So take time to know God's word. Delight in his word. And uh, I want to tell you just a, a, a quick story that illustrates this. There's a, um, there's a, there's a, a dear uh, lady who we've come to know over probably the last eight or ten years. And um, she doesn't have much, uh, but she does have her grandson. And she lives out where we live and um, doesn't have a lot. And she's gone through a lot of hard times. And, and uh, over the years, she has basically... Uh, admitted that she's given up on God. She felt abandoned by God. And we've kind of continued to pray for her and send her messages here and there and check up on her. And um, just out of the blue, recently, the last couple of weeks, she sent a text message saying, God's got my attention. Um, can I have a Bible? <laughs> I, don't, I don't hear that very often. And it's, it's kind of refreshing. She had an older uh, version of the Bible, and she wanted a, a more modern version of the Bible that she could read, and she said, can I have some highlight, or she would love some highlighters and pens, and she was reading the version she had into the night, and so, uh, yes, you can have a Bible, um, and we got her some highlighters and pens, and now she's, um, she's just soaking it up. She got her study Bible, she's reading, and she's sending me verses and messages that are actually encouraging to me, um, and so it's a picture of someone who, um, whose, whose delight in the Lord is, is turned to delight in his word, and so that's the picture here that we have, and so that God brings this blessing uh, to them through his word, but um, there's also a blessing that's through his people. And if you look at verse 2 and following, we see this picture of the righteous where God blesses through his people. It says in verse 2, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So now notice the impact of the people around him. The Lord brings blessing uh, to those within this person's family and probably touches those outside of his family, within the community, his offspring. Uh, will be mighty. This Hebrew word, gibor, it's, it's probably in the sense of numerous or influential in the, in the area, in the community. Uh, the generation of the upright will be blessed. So there's this heritage, this lasting influence. Uh, you, when you live a life of integrity, the people around you are affected by it. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. Um, Proverbs speaks of that. And so as I, I want to encourage you that um, I have this saying uh, up on, on one of my doors that said, I'd rather be faithful than famous. Uh, actually, I think Roosevelt said that. But um, that's true. I'd rather be faithful than famous. I'd rather be, walk day in and day out with integrity um, because that changes the world. That changes the people that are close to you. And the people around this righteous person are affected by it. Uh, and God provides. Look at verse 3. God provides. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Uh, we see God's provision here connected to specifically those under the Mosaic Covenant. This provision for, for life that is there. But we also see what truly lasts. His righteousness. His righteousness lasts. And it not only endures forever, but it makes a difference in the world. Look at the difference that the righteous person makes. Look at verse 4. It says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright, 
He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. If you have a pencil or a pen, you just highlight or underline those words. Gracious, merciful, and righteous. I don't know if you're like me, but I can think in the last 24 hours um, times in my life where I could have been more gracious, more merciful, more righteous in the way I've interacted with my family. Whether it's my attitude or my patience, all of these things. Um, the righteous are a light to people around them. And if you've ever been in the dark and you have a little light, it penetrates the darkness and is quite bright. Uh, this light here is, is either referring to God or the righteous, but either way, the source of the righteous, the source of the light, is God Himself. Uh, Proverbs says that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. So you think about that. What would it be like to not have the light of God? What would it be like as Christians in Christ? Just think about that. If we didn't have hope, what would it be like? What if you lived in darkness without hope? And there's people all around us, and you all know this, but it's good to be reminded of it. Uh, One of the saddest things is to be without hope, to live in hopelessness. Well, specifically at this time where the light of Christ can shine so brightly amidst the pandemic where people have lost jobs and, and uh, people have lost family members. And can you imagine how people cope with circumstances when they don't have any hope rooted in God? And I want to encourage you and encourage myself as I see this that, there is, that light does dawn in the darkness for the upright. No matter how hopeless our situation may be, there is a God who cares? There is no hopeless situation for those who trust in God through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, as you know, the incredible good news that He died on the cross, that He rose from the grave, He's making all things new. And with our trust in Him, we have a resurrected hope. And because of that, the righteous can live out that light in darkness and they can bless the people around them. And when we face adversity, we can respond with the virtues of light the graciousness and mercifulness and righteousness. This is the, uh, you think about the fruit of the Spirit. How God uses us in circumstances to point people to Him. And so I want to encourage you that. How can I, how can you be gracious, merciful, and righteous this very day, tonight? Um, it's not a set of rules. It's just looking to your Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at how this person continues to act. Look at how he deals with the community. Look at verse 5. He says, It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. So the righteous bless others. The righteous bless others. The righteous know that, hey, I have been created not for myself, but God has created me for him to be his ministers to other people, to serve. That's, just, that's, that's what we've been created. If you follow Christ, you will carry your cross and serve others and give all the glory to God. That's what you sign up for. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The righteous bless others. They give freely. They give of themselves. And they know it all belongs to God. And they, they know that they are not in control. Um, and so I want to ask a question. Is it hard for you to give of things? Is it hard, of you, is it hard to lend is it hard to let people borrow things? There are some things that, that I own that, that, that are hard. Um, and I have to tell God and, that that's, that's not right. I need your help to give freely. To give freely. Not just, not just possessions, but 
Um, they give of time and treasure and all of those things. Um, we are to be a living sacrifice. Lifelong servants who display the very character of God. And so the righteous give and they don't hold back, Proverbs 21 tells us. And this, this man, is, this, this one shows himself to be that. A great example of this is found in Jeremiah 22. You don't have to turn there. I just want to sh- share this with you. Um, where the, the Lord uh, uh, compares the sons of Josiah. So Josiah was this good king and he compares this good king Josiah with the injustice and the evil deeds of the sons of Josiah. And there's this statement, this, this one verse that says, Did your father, speaking of the, father, the, the sons of Josiah, uh, did your father, Josiah, uh, eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor. So look what he highlights. He judged the cause of the poor. They're saying Josiah, this faithful king, judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, declares the Lord. So you hear what he's saying? He says, is not this what it means to know me? To know God means to care for those who society does not care for. And there's countless examples of this throughout Scripture. Whether it's Noah or Abraham or Joseph or David. Um, and so when we act justly, we reflect the justness of God because people are made in the image of God and they, they are, uh, we are to represent Him and His character. And this is my favorite part. I want to um, lead into it this way. Why can the just, why can the righteous live in this just way? Why can they give of themselves so freely? It's because of their trust in who God is. It's because of their trust in the Lord. And therefore they can't be moved. So they can, they can give freely. Look at verse 6. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. So so it doesn't matter the surprises that the righteous get. The righteous are securely buckled in this crazy adventure of life, trusting in God's sovereign plan. Uh, they are unmoving. They will not be shaken like that unshaken, um, unshakable kingdom that Hebrews speaks about. Uh, they, they, they trust in Him, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They will be remembered forever. Uh, look at verse 7. He is not afraid of bad news. This, this, this verse and the next verse is really what I want to focus on because it really um, highlights the trust that this righteous person has in our Creator God. Look at that. He is not afraid of bad news. Now, I want to ask you an honest question. Um, can any of you say you're not afraid of bad news? He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. What would that be like? To not be afraid of bad news. You're, where your heart is firm, uh, or... or you have this confidence in the Lord that no matter what happens, God is in control and He is greater than I am 
His ways are higher than I am. And I can trust that guy. He is my Father who I cry out to, Abba, Father. My heart is firm or established or secure. It's the same, um, the same word that uh, the NASB says, steadfast. That's the word, steadfast. Psalm 57 says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Do you know people like this? Do you know people who live like this? It doesn't mean that you're without adversity. It doesn't mean that you won't face trials. In fact, walking with God often means you will encounter all sorts of trials, all sorts of adversity, and all sorts of bad news. And so whether you're young or old, whatever it might be, whatever the bad news might be, maybe it's a decision that you made that didn't go as well as you had planned um, Maybe you didn't get into the school you wanted. Maybe something happened at your job. Maybe uh, you lost something. Maybe you have to move. Maybe you've gotten sick. Maybe you've lost someone. Whatever it may be, we can trust God in that. Because God is working through the adversity to mold our hearts more into the image of Jesus Christ. Think about the times when... The disciples were with Jesus, particularly I think of the one in Matthew when he was in the boat and he was sleeping and they wake him up and they're fearful. And Jesus says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And throughout the scriptures we hear this over and over and over, do not be afraid, fear not. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go, Joshua 1.9 tells us. Psalm 4 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Look at uh, verse 8. It says, My heart is steady. So his heart is firm and his heart is steady. Or, or the NASB says it's upheld. The word means to, to lean, to lay, to rest to support, to lean upon. It's this secureness that uh, one's uh, mindset and, and, and decision-making are, are rooted in the fact that God is in control. It's, it's this confidence in who God is. This person takes refuge in the Lord. And I would suggest, quite frankly, that this doesn't mean that the righteous don't get scared. But it means that when they do get scared, they turn to the living God and cry out to Him for help. And they, as they live that out, they put their trust in God and they walk through the scary circumstances with the living God. Because our God is a refuge. The Psalms speak of this refuge, this rock or this fortress that is, that is uh, secure. It's a shield to those who take refuge in Him. And even if things go not the way we want them, there will be a great reversal one day. It says, until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. And so I want you to think about what are your fears? What are you most afraid of? Is God big enough to handle our fears? Can we, like David, say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And as I mentioned at the beginning, and I want to be completely honest with you, I, I wrestle with this. 
Um, I'm like the person in Psalm 13 that cries out to God. And I like the way the NIV says it. Um, It says, I wrestle with my thoughts all night long. How many of you have ever wrestled with your thoughts or doubts or fears? And so circumstances that, that are not fun or that are not what we want or pain that we endure is a reminder to pray. It's a reminder, um, like Philippians says, to not be anxious. How are we, how are we not supposed to be anxious? Uh, we don't stay there, and I'm preaching to myself, but we, we move to pray. We let our requests be made known to God. We remember that He's in control. There's not, a, uh, there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without His knowledge. Driving up, up the road from 46, I saw a bird on the ground. Father, the Father knew that bird was going to fall to the ground. He knows everything. And won't He more so know every detail of our lives? And won't He be with us and if we're, if we're doubting or if we're scared, where do we go? Where can we look? We look to Jesus. We look to the cross. And we know that there's hope because He has resurrected from the grave. God is so sovereign and so loving and so wise. And so anytime we experience these trials, this adversity like Psalm 12 speaks of, we can... We might be afraid, but let it move us as a stimulus to prayer. To trust God, to accept His plan. And, and there's, there's, a, there's passages in Scripture that I think highlight this. I think of Habakkuk, who said, How long shall I cry for help? In chapter 1. Cries out in prayer, not understanding what's going on around him. And then in chapter 3, he, he ends with, with this trust in who God is. Um, he says in chapter 3, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, in spite of all this stuff that's going on, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. And it goes on. Um, Psalm 13, like I mentioned, said, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? The end of the psalm says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice. David says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And I think that's the essence of it. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Therefore, I'm not afraid. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And that's the essence of this righteous person who's walking down this road of life when he experiences adversity, can put his trust in God. And then look at verse 9 as the psalm sort of repeats itself. And this righteous person is, is continually to give of himself. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. Think about this, because you guys have been going through Acts, right? And I think you all just went through chapter 7, is that right? So look at, uh, I just read through the, the, that yesterday to kind of stay in sync with you guys and and a couple things I noticed how they all had things in common and they gave to each other as each had the need Uh, they gave they freely gave Uh, 
that is hard to do. I looked at my wife and um, I, I, I told her, I was like, that's, that's just amazing to be able to live that way. I think our society says, look at ourselves. How much can we save? How much can we um, put in our own spot for us? But the, the early church didn't live that way. Um, he, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. So the character of the godly is expressed in, in giving of ourselves. And in fact, this is quoted by Paul in 2 Corinthians 9. Essentially, Paul is saying that God supplies everything so that his children, you and I, we can sow and give it all away. And in doing that, we abound in every good work and we give thanksgiving and glory to God. So it's essentially what is going on in this psalm. God has given everything uh, that the righteous need for life and godliness, and the righteous live and give it away all for right life and godliness to the glory of God. We can live this way because we're connected to Christ. Christ is uh, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and uh, there's a promise that goes with this, and this is his horn is exalted in honor, this, this, symbol, this symbolizing strength and, and success. And um, all of this is, is contrasted with the way of the wicked. So if we had one road that was the way of the righteous, the other road is the way of the wicked. The wicked man, it says in verse 10, sees it and is angry. So think about that for a moment. Why in the world would the wicked man see the way of the righteous and get angered? In fact, this was illustrated, um, I think, last week with y'all. In, or I don't know if you've gotten to this part yet, but with Stephen, as he was um, speaking to the people in Acts Seven, I believe, the people responded with anger. When they heard Stephen, they were angered. And it says this phrase, they grinded their teeth. They ground their teeth. People responded to Jesus this way as well. And Jesus told his disciples, hey, they hate me, they're going to hate you. And so the wicked respond with anger. This response. And the thing is, this desire of the wicked is going to perish. The works of the flesh will come to nothing. Psalm 1 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we have two ways the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And I want to encourage you as I conclude that the way of the righteous is worth it. The way of the righteous is worth it. And it's not some rule-following, will-powering myself to do and live the righteous life. How, in fact, do I know that I'm living the righteous life? I know it if I'm connected to Jesus Christ. 
Because the righteous life was in fact lived out among us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He is, was and is the true embodiment of wisdom and righteousness. And we can't live this righteous life on our own. And you all know that, but I want to remind you and remind myself that we must abide in Christ We can't live the righteous life apart from Jesus Christ. We can't live in a way where we are unafraid of bad news unless we are living and walking with Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in Him, we know we have that secure refuge. And so my encouragement to you is that we would reflect His character, that we would give of ourselves And be reminded of what truly lasts. Because undergirding this this road of the righteous is this fundamental truth, in fact, that the Lord is with the righteous. The Lord is with the righteous. And if you had to focus on anything as you're driving home today, just think about what that phrase means, that the Lord is with the righteous. How is the God of the universe in relationship with sinful man. Only because of Jesus Christ. And we begin to live that life out now. And I hope and pray that you will continue to cry out to God that when you are afraid, you shall put your trust in Him because He is faithful. He indeed is faithful. And so as I close, I want to remind you to fix your eyes on Jesus and I want, to, I want to give you a benediction that Paul gives in 2 Thessalonians 3.5. And it focuses on the heart. And we talked about the heart of the righteous is uh, firm and secure. And Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.5, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God into the steadfastness of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, um, for living a life of steadfastness to the cross. Thank you, Father, for showing us the one we must put our trust in, your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to live by Your Spirit. Help us to live in a way that truly reflects that relationship that we talked about. Father, I don't know what's going to happen in the next month or two in each of our lives. But we do know one thing is certain. That Jesus Christ lives yesterday, today, and forever. And we praise you for that. We cling to him. Father, help us, uh, like the song we're about to sing, help us to long for you, like the deer who pants for water each and every day. May we long to thirst for that relationship and to walk in faithfulness alongside our Creator God. 
for there's no greater joy. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.